Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to Ireland's Birth Stories, a podcast created for women to share their experiences with pregnancy and birth. My name is Cora Gernon and I've created this space to enable women to share their experiences from start to finish without feeling shy about the detail. I just wanted to take a moment to thank those of you that sponsor me over on Patreon and also buy me a coffee. I'm coming into a period of no sponsorship on the podcast, which makes it a little bit tougher to get the episodes out every week. But with your support, makes it that little bit easier. So thank you once again. I really, really appreciate it. In this week's episode, I share my chat with Nicola, who talks me through her spontaneous triplet pregnancy, their birth, and we really dive into her postpartum experience from the first moment she met her babies to the hours, weeks and days following and months even and how I think these conversations are really important because although we prepare a lot for our pregnancies, we really look after ourselves, um, we prepare for labour and birth and then, well for me it just stopped there. I didn't even, even honestly when it came to like the stitches that I needed after my first baby, I remember ringing my mum saying, mum I, I needed stitches and I, I didn't even look that far into postpartum or what happens after baby comes so I think these these conversations will be really important I will I won't be diving into this side of motherhood with every guest but I do have a few guests lined up who are prepared to just delve that bit further into this side of motherhood and I think it's really important that we have these conversations so my chat with Nicola was so nice she was really really honest she, when they went for their first scan at about seven weeks, they discovered they were expecting twins. Really shocking, but delighted. They then went for another scan at about the 12 week mark in the hospital and there was a third little baby in there. So she was admitted to hospital about 28 weeks. She was closely monitored. Thankfully, she had a really uneventful pregnancy and the babies came into the world via C-section. Um, and they're just Gorgeous kids. I, I have love. I have some lovely photos up on Instagram. We'd have a look through and just look at them now. And what I love in her postpartum piece is how she talks about lockdown. I'll let you listen to to the episode to hear that. So thank you so much, Nicola. A really nice episode and the first of many postpartum chats that I think we need to hear 
honest postpartum chats. Thank you and enjoy. I'll chat to you next week. Nicola, you are very welcome to the Ireland's Birth Stories podcast. Delighted to have you on. Thank you for having me. Do you want to just begin by giving us a little introduction to you and your lovely family? Okay, so my name is Nicola Wall and I'm married to the lovely Shane Wall of three and a half years now. So exactly seven months after we got married, exactly to the date so we got married on March 24th, 2018 on on October 24th, 2018, I gave birth to triplets, two boys and a girl. So I think we were told it was one in a million chances of getting pregnant um, naturally with, you know, I think they call them spontaneous pregnancy yeah. and the type of triplets that they were. But it was also one in a million chances of all three surviving. So it was a big oh, wow. shock. I mean, three and a half years, three years later, we're still looking at them in shock. So we were very blessed that they all survived. Happy, healthy pregnancy. No problems. Absolutely born perfect. So they're still here. They're still rocking, bouncing around the place, not a bother on them three years later. And do people stop and ask you loads of questions about them? Are they a great attraction? <laughs> not so much anymore. Yeah, I get that a lot. Like people do say, oh, I'd love that. And it's like, God, if you really knew <laughs> the trouble and the, you know, the crack that went out of them, I don't know if you actually love it. No, at the start, obviously, it used to be, we yeah. were a sight to be seen. Like the buggies for triplets are just ridiculous. Like really, really big, really can't fit through doors. They're either all piled on top of each other or big long ones. And it's just like mortifying going around the aisles of Tesco, getting stopped by every single person. Whereas now you kind of, now you kind of want to be stopped and you're like so proud of them and wanting yeah. to talk the chat. And now I know the novelty. Like I go out and I see twins or triplets and I'm like, oh, mad to ask, were they spontaneous? Are they identical? And like now I'm the annoying you person. Yeah, now I'm yeah. that person. Like, so I do understand the the fascination. Like, So um, let's dive into your pregnancy. Do you want to tell us how you conceived and yeah, how you felt very early on? It was a funny one because I was, what, so I was 27 and I had got, been diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis about two or three years previous. And I remember going to my rheumatologist a couple of months before we got married and saying, look, I really want to get pregnant. Should I come off my tablets? Like, what do you think? Are they safe for pregnancy? And he had kind of said to me that people with rheumatoid arthritis actually have, I can't remember, was it that they have a lesser chance of conceiving easily or you know he said it kind of might take a bit longer and things like that and when I done the research the research kind of showed that it was more because physically say you might have pains in your hips and it might be harder maybe to have sex that you know that that might be the reason why it takes longer so say I come off my pill in maybe the December we got married in the March, went to Vegas straight away. And up until then, I'd been taking like ovulation tests and things like this because I was devastated that the doctor had told me this. And, oh, yeah. oh my God, I really want to get pregnant straight away. And I had no um, positive on the ovulation test between the December and the March. And I was devastated. Like, and I was looking up fertility treatment and all this, like absolutely devastated thinking oh god what if I can't get pregnant and then in Vegas on our honeymoon literally a week after getting married I got the positive on the ovulation test brilliant let's start trying for a baby home a few weeks uh, I think I fell asleep on the couch after one glass of my bottle of rosé which would never happen but I didn't make it to the end of the bottle on a Friday night mm-hmm. woke up the next day oh god that's strange like could I be pregnant like I just feel a bit 
a bit funny and I took a test and I was oh my god I'm pregnant like literally this was about five six days nearly not quite a week but nearly a week before even getting to my period so I didn't even miss okay. a period and I got the positive test my husband was working and went up to tell him all oh, delighted brilliant and it was kind of in my mind god that is strange that for so long of not even ovulating I got positive you know got pregnant on literally our first week of trying trying yeah and then to test positive so early so it was kind of in my head so I said right I'll give it a week or two go to the GP GP kind of fobbed me off a little bit being like oh it's only kind of faint positive you know it's still very early don't you know just wait and see what happens I think I was buying tests like by the bulk <laughs> am I still pregnant am I still pregnant yeah it's still there it's still there worried sick thinking this is just can't believe you know so happy that it happened just kind of in shock that it happened but just something in my mind kept thinking why was it so early why do I feel <laughs> like there's something strange going on here so I booked in for an early scan and that was around eight weeks and literally like I was in work that day and I was telling my boss because she was the one that I was telling you know the whole story from the very start with and saying oh what if I have to give fertility treatment and you know and then to be able to tell I guess I am actually pregnant and now I just have this feeling that something's a bit strange and um she was like but you know you won't really see much at eight weeks like if you go for a scan and I was like I know I know I just want to kind of confirm that there is a heartbeat and not two and literally we were in the waiting room for the private scan and I was texting my sister-in-law and she was like you know how are you getting on I, like, I just I just want to make sure there's not two heartbeats I just want to make sure there's not two babies in there I just I just have this feeling because I tested positive so early there's just something strange lo and behold went for the early scan and she was like oh, there's two sacks do you know what that means and I was like oh my god it's twins like it is twins so it was fraternal twins two separate sacks and of course you know the private scans are not necessarily medical scans she's just able yeah. to tell yes there's a heartbeat she was able to give us like the heart rates of each and say look they're they're viable pregnancies this is the kind of the safest type of twins because they're separate two separate sacs to um placentas all that kind of stuff so that was only about eight weeks but part of me just knew and I don't know like obviously that was my first pregnancy Mm. I didn't feel sick or anything like that but just there was just something in my head and my heart (laughs) I could tell there's something just not right here there's something more to the story to the story and so it was a shock and I think we just had got our head around twins when I went for the 12 week scan in our local hospital. And I was all set. And yeah, I'm going to tell them I want to be in the MLU and I want to deliver naturally. I'm only, you know, I'm only 27. I'm young, I'm fit, I'm healthy. I was after losing a load of weight before the wedding. I was working out for the last two or three years. Like, I was like, right, I can do this. Like, and then um, just before we left the house, my husband had said, as long as there's not another one in because I was all upset thinking oh god what if there's no heartbeat now what if what if we've lost one of them what if something's happened and he's like no one air looking at it but there'll be another heartbeat wait till you see and I was like, yeah feck off like don't be <laughs> don't be saying that like and we were going for the scan then and even when I was in the waiting room I pulled out like a banana and I was there eating my banana and I was saying should we run down and get me a sandwich in the shop like I'm starving like and I was looking at all the other women and we were sitting there for 20 minutes I was like why is no one else hungry like I'm bloody famished like eating myself into oblivion like oh my god I'm so hungry like and um we went in for the scan and he was kind of sitting at the bottom of the bed and I could see her doing the scan and I could see that two of them were really close together and then they kept kind of scanning up and I was like there's three of them 
oh my god there's three of them and he hadn't coughed yet and then like the nurse was calling over someone else to look and they were kind of whispering and I actually said to her I was like say it just say it I know what you're going to say and I say to Shane you were right see that now you jinxed us just tell him just say it I knew it like I was like oh my god and then they'd asked about like um why did I go for the private scan was there a reason did I have fertility treatment I was like no I didn't and they're like are you sure I was like, yes I'm sure yes. like I'm sure and the way the two so it was obvious then from the scan that there was two in one sack and then a separate one when they moved it up but the two that were in one sack it literally looked like they were conjoined so there was Okay. a good 10-15 seconds where I genuinely thought they're going to say to me that these two babies are stuck together because it was like two heads and the bodies were both facing inwards but they right. could tell they could tell that the bodies were separate but the way I was in I was like oh my god they're, they're conjoined like and that was my first kind of first question like are they okay are they conjoined and they're like no we can tell that they're separate but they're very very close together so we'll have to just keep checking for a minute and then they kept asking me questions like are you sure and I was like no like I don't know I don't know how this happened I was like how is this even possible like is this even possible does this happen and they were like well it is rare but it does spontaneous triplets does happen um and I think then when they wanted me to see a consultant from a different hospital privately after that I kind of started to panic then I was like there's something there's something strange here. I can't remember. Was it that day? It was that day. I think I had to wait a while. And I texted my boss because I was supposed to go back to work that morning. My, my scan was, let's say, like half nine. I was going to go into work. Then afterwards, I was like, look, everything's okay, but I'm not going to make it in later on. And she was just like, okay, is everything okay? I was like, there's another one in there. She was like, oh my God, I'm in the office with two other people. Can I tell them? <laughs> she's I'm here laughing to myself and they're looking at me. She, I was just like, are you okay? I was like, yeah, I just shock like. and were you okay yeah how, how were you I don't know to be honest I don't know I think I knew something's more wrong how they wanted me to stay and meet yeah. another consultant and then this consultant explained that basically identical twins so they share one sack at one placenta and most normal identical twins have like a dividing membrane between the two twins so like as thin as a hair separating them and from the initial scan, they couldn't see this membrane. So she wanted me to come back in again in a few days or whatever it was and do like an internal scan because it was so early just to see could they detect this dividing membrane. But that it that it, would, it was fairly serious anyway. But I did so that that's mm. just I didn't really understand the extent of how serious the membrane was. And she kind of said, don't Google anything. <laughs> just go home, have a think or whatever. And I think we went straight up to my sister-in-laws with the scan and they were just like oh my god we told our parents I think they were more shocked at the twins than they were at the triplets it was like it kind of had gradually built up okay there's one baby there's two babies okay now there's three my husband's like I'm not going for any more scans every time we go there's another one in there he's like that's it like I'm not going and funny enough he didn't he wasn't able to come to the next one so I brought my mom for the next one and the consultant did the internal scan and from that she was able to tell that no there was no dividing membrane and I remember asking, what's the relevance? Like, what's the significance of this mm. membrane? And basically she said that the little thin membrane stops the cords, the umbilical cords from tangling. Okay. So at any minute or of any time during the pregnancy, the two umbilical cords could not. And she was entirely like that they're going to not. And that's going to stop, obviously, nutrients. It's going to stop blood flow and inevitably 
the babies will die and it won't be a case of just one it'll be both you know so and she was really really good and she was really honest and said look in this kind of situation we would suggest for you to consider or to think that it's an option if you want to consider a termination and so I was kind of like what does that mean like both of them all of them Mm. you know what I mean and she was like well it's called selective reduction so you would reduce the pregnancy by and it would have to obviously be the the two twins in the twin sack because they were the ones that were the most risk but the point was that if I was to go ahead with the pregnancy there's like again it was literally one in 900,000 chance of all three surviving because it's a high risk pregnancy your body would just could potentially reject the whole pregnancy due to the high risk nature of it or that at any minute the two cords could tangle and I could lose the two and the singleton would be safe or that your body might just completely miscarry all three or that you just go into early labor so early that the the pregnancy wouldn't be viable you know that they wouldn't make it to gestation to survive but at that stage like that was only what June 2018 so we didn't have the rights for termination in Ireland at that stage. Mm. So if that was something I wanted to consider, I would have had to have gone to England. I would have had to have. And for me, like I went with those babies in my bellies and I voted for women to have the right to do with absolutely what they want to do. And it was just mad that I didn't even consider it. It just felt like, mm. no, that's not an option for me. Like, um, But it kind of, that was a big shock. To think, okay, this is how serious this actually is like. And I remember my mom was crying and I was like, but I'm okay. Like, no matter what happens, if I, God forbid, if I lose these babies, or regardless of what happens to the babies, like, I'm going to be okay. I can still carry another child in the future. or You know, so I just felt, look, I got them in there. I got them here to 12 weeks without even knowing they were there. Yeah. So maybe we can go the whole way. Maybe we can get to 28 weeks. Maybe, you know what I mean? Let's just see what happens. And if it happens, it happens. And at least I can kind of, I kind of rationalize, but it's out of my control. So if something happens to them, it's not my fault. I didn't do anything. There's absolutely, there's not one thing that I can do to, you know what I mean? To make them stay in there. Like I was worried about, God, walking or exercising, it's not going to make the cords tangle more. Or like I had this fear of like lying down, getting all tangled up and she was nothing. Like if it happens, it happens. There's absolutely nothing that you can do. But see the other type of twins that you have, that do have the membrane, they can have the the twin to twin transfusion where one sucks more blood or one sucks more food and they can it is obviously it's extremely dangerous and one baby can grow much bigger than the other but there is stuff that they can do they can go in in neutro and you know perform operations but but my boys there was nothing that they could do it was either they would survive or they wouldn't so it's called mono mono amniotic monochorionic mono mono twins like the egg was basically a day or two short of being conjointed twins like that's how close the split okay. is the next short split would have been conjoined twins it's it's such a huge responsibility for you but yet as you say there's nothing completely out that you control. could do yeah yeah so that was a big shock and it was hard it was upsetting to have my first pregnancy and my first experience of being pregnant to have to hear them that kind of news and that kind of decision and I remember ringing my husband and he was really really upset like to even consider should we do should we terminate what is the best thing to do here 
Mm. And I felt tremendous guilt. I felt really, really guilty thinking, what if I continue with this pregnancy and these babies are born at 18 weeks and don't survive? Mm. You know, what if I bring them into this world and they have a multitude of things potentially wrong because they're born so early? And then I thought, is it fair that the singleton has to be born so premature? Am I risking the singleton to try and keep the twins? And it just, it was just horrific, like, but part of me genuinely just felt, look, let's just, let's just do it and see, see what happens. And when I say not one single problem did I have from then on out. So the plan was to get me to 28 weeks to get them to viability and then go inpatient in the hospital until they were safe to deliver. So normally mono, mono twins, 32 weeks is as far as you'd get. So I was in hospital on my own, far from where I live for, what, four or five weeks. And they had to do the fetal heart monitors. The idea is to do it for like an hour a day on each baby, which are the babies were that close. For the whole way through my pregnancy, they wouldn't be able to definitely say, that's twin A, that's twin B. You know, like, because oh it, God. it'd yeah. constantly be in different places and I'd have a monitor up here and then she'd be waiting in my leg. And it was really, like, it was really uncomfortable. It was really upsetting. They wouldn't be able to they'd have to scan me and then, like, mark on my belly where the heart was so that they'd okay. be able to find it. And there was only, like, one triplet monitor. And I had to share, share it with another lady who was on the ward at the time. And they could be there for, like, an hour. God love them trying so hard to to get the consistent heart rate in the monitor like the that in was, itself is must have been so stressful for you as well when they were constantly struggling to get yeah yeah the little heartbeats and they wanted and they really wanted to help and to be there for me and mm. I know that that was their way of making sure that the babies are okay so part of me is kind of like okay I'm, I'm safe now I'm in the safe zone I'm here god forbid if anything happens I'm in the right place but at the same time it was stressing me out more. Like I got to a stage where they actually sent me home for a week because my blood pressure was through the roof because I was so wound up, like about having to constantly do these monitors and like my lunch would come and I couldn't eat and my visitors would come and I wouldn't be able to see them because they had to have me on these monitors. And even though I was inpatient, I wasn't on bed rest. So I was allowed to kind of pop out, go for lunch or go shopping and stuff. So that was nice. But it definitely was like the start of my downfall, I think, of getting into the mindset of negativity and just being like, God, it's horrible. And the only thing is they put me up with a dietitian to kind of set me up with a dietitian at the very start of the pregnancy just to maximize my calories. Like I can't remember what it was, but I had to eat some mad amount <laughs> just mm. to make sure that the babies gained as much weight mm. as possible. So everything was maximizing protein, iron, calcium. So it kind of was a nice lineup before we getting fed four or five times a day. The, the Ladies in the hospital were obviously lovely, like making sure there's the one with the triplets, give her an extra portion of toast <laughs> and like smuggling me in extra like ice cream scoops and boiled eggs and oh, fuck you up, love. And oh. you know, really, really helped me with my socks. And like, God, I wasn't like to ring so I couldn't get out of the bath. I was like a beached whale, like I just huge all of a sudden. Like, so that it was, it was in hindsight, it kind of, I wish I had have enjoyed it, you know, more lying up, watching telly, reading books because I probably haven't got a chance to do any of those things in the last three years Uh, but no it was hard it was hard being away from my family it was hard being away from my husband during a time when I just wanted to be home I wanted to be nesting I wanted to be buying clothes and putting the cots up and I didn't want to buy anything because I was so afraid I was going to lose them like I spent the whole pregnancy in fear 
that I was going to lose them. Like I remember waking up three and four times during the night, having to go to the toilet and having to eat and like going into the bathroom with my torch on my phone out of fear. Is there blood like checking to make sure that I wasn't bleeding in the night? Like I'm, I'm having a miscarriage. It's just terrified oh if I couldn't feel a heartbeat or if I couldn't, you know, feel any movement that particular day going up for scans and then you see them all facing inwards <laughs> that they were kicking each other instead of me. And I'm like, oh God, just the relief. Like it was, it was very traumatic, like in hindsight now thinking it's only really now that I realised, God, that was actually a really horrific way to spend my first pregnancy. Like I couldn't enjoy it as much as that I should have. And I definitely have a lot of kind of resentment to the fact that my one and only pregnancy, I didn't get to enjoy. And like even like I was huge, really quick, like by 20 weeks, I probably looked like a full term singleton pregnancy like and people used to stop me in Little and Aldi and say oh how far along are you and I had to be like I'm only 20 weeks oh god you're very big oh it's trip it's oh that's pretty when is it you I don't know <laughs> could be October could be November god forbid I could lose them tomorrow and I just be like oh god please I just don't want to even have the conversation like because what do you say to people like I didn't want to lie and be like oh yeah everything's okay it's brilliant but no it's not like I'm terrified I'm terrified something's going to happen um, it just felt like a freak show walking about like people saying to so-and-so and gossiping about me oh did you hear someone's pregnant triplets oh my god was it natural people think we blew all our uh, wedding money on fertility treatments yeah. and went and like the rumours and I didn't want to be like there's absolutely nothing wrong but if someone chooses to spend there's, I didn't want to be like I didn't have that you know that kind of way mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I just felt like everyone's talking about me everyone's looking at me and not really fully understanding I could lose these babies like I'm not a piece of gossip I'm not a piece of you know just Mm -hmm. tell your friend oh poor and like comments like oh you'd have to remortgage your house now oh you're going to have to buy this and buy that like it's not funny you know what I mean I could lose these babies yeah people don't understand how damaging yeah it's really really upsetting like literally a girl in a shop that I didn't even know was working in the shop roaring something that we like that we were looking at three carriers and she was like you know oh look at you three of them you're gonna to have to like all your money your all your ch- children's allowance you're gonna get now and then like are you mad like I'm not even thinking about that you know mm. um then around so 32 weeks was the goal and then I think around 31 weeks I was back in again still impatient and just my blood pressure started to spike think is the proteins in the urine and they were kind of thinking right it's it's a start now of preeclampsia we're getting yeah. close they were a good weight they knew they were three and four pounds this is only 31 weeks so they're like right we know they had all the um the steroids for the lungs and all that kind of stuff so they knew it was safe to deliver but then the worry was did they keep me where I am and deliver them and keep them in special care there and then if there's not enough space on the day that they could be sent to all different hospitals around Dublin or do you send them back and then I'm in a different hospital and at the time I was like oh my god this is horrific like they were literally going to send me in a taxi back home to deliver in the hospital in my town and this is like going back and forth for a day or two and then finally my, my consultant that I had the whole way through was like no I want to do this myself I would rather mm-hmm. you be here and it was brilliant. I had great, like, I had great continuity of care in that sense. Like from day one in my original hospital, I had the same consultant and the same team the whole way through. And I definitely felt like they went above and beyond to make sure that everything that could possibly be done to keep them babies safe was done. And I definitely mm-hmm. feel that. But it was kind of just like, 
what's going to happen? Where am I going to have them? Who's going to take them? What's going to happen? You know, I just was thinking, God, I'm going to have a section. I could, I'm going to have to go back home. I could have one baby in this town and then another still be in the city centre. And it was just like a nightmare. And I kind of reached out to a lot of the triplet moms that I'm friends with on the, you know, the online groups. And apparently it's a really common thing, especially girls. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. I might have to travel up from Galway or Donegal and that there, you know, there's not there's only so many beds in the NICU. And especially for like the hospitals that own that cater for the really early premature babies. So if you have more of a late term baby, they're gonna send it to a hospital that it doesn't need as much care, say, as a, mm-hmm. as an emergency baby. So the emergency is not going to take priority. So I had no idea of what was going to happen. And I think I had the section on a Wednesday. It was planned in the sense that I knew the day or two before. So it wasn't like a big shock. But it was still earlier than I kind of anticipated. Um, sorry, just a good No, <laughs> no, they're asleep. Um, the section itself, I think I was very naive. Like at one stage, my consultant had said to me, now make sure you have like your bag and your nightgown and your pads. And I was like, oh, no, sure. I'm having a section. Like, I don't need pads. He's like, you need pads? I was like, what do I need pads for? Sure, I'm not delivering vaginally. I don't understand. Honest to God, never in a million years. I don't know why I didn't even think that. Sure, you don't bleed if you're having a section. Mm-hmm. It's just so naive. Like, I don't know why. It just never, those kind of things never occur occurred to me and it just made me think oh there's so much that people just don't talk about and don't mention and I don't know they don't want to scare you or they just think that you know the ever just assumes you know these things like yeah um so I went for the section it was a lot of people in the room 
Yeah, the seas, there would have been, in general anyway, there were lots. There would have been so many there, which was probably daunting. Yeah, and it's funny, I listened back to one of your talks with Ali, and I've been good friends mm. with Ali since since her pregnancy started. And like she mentioned about being introduced to, every, to everyone and everyone, you know, explaining their kind of role and the NICU. I had none of that. And now again, in hindsight, maybe that was my own naivety that I never, I never actually asked, well, who are all these people? What are your jobs? You know, I never was shown around the NICU, even just practical things like, well, what time does it open? How do I get in? There's like so many rooms. Where do I go? Nothing like that. I just felt really kind of blindsided nearly the next day when the babies were taken off me after the section. Like I nearly not had an argument, but I remember speaking to somebody high up in the NICU ward and saying like, there's no communication here. Like, there's no, commu- I have no idea what's going on. My babies are all in different rooms. I'm a million miles away on a ward after having a section. I can't walk. Like, I don't know what's going on. And she was like, now I explained to your husband. I was like, I'm on that much drugs. He's a man. <laughs> I said, the communication here is not working. Like, you know, I didn't know what was going on. Um, But the section was, I don't think it definitely wasn't painful from what I remember. But I remember that like my husband Shane cried and I didn't. And I remember then the next day or two thinking, what's wrong? Was there something wrong with me? Like, why was I not emotional? And like, I definitely felt really protective. Like, I remember I kept being like, are they okay? Are they okay? And like, I've been so happy that they cried. Because obviously I kind of had thought, oh, like, they're going to be really small. They're going to be mm. like so early. So maybe they won't cry, not to be scared, not to be worried if they don't cry. And they did. But I just didn't feel that what everybody says. Oh, this push of love and emotion and... But now thinking, sure, I was so drunk up. I was on so much, you know, from the from the section that I just. But again, that was never really explained to me, or that was never kind of said. You know, you're not going to feel like yourself. You're obviously having a huge open surgery here. You know, to be feeling normal emotions and that kind of stuff. So in hindsight, I think again that was another thing that I was left feeling not resentful or disappointed, but. That I didn't get in my head I thought my first pregnancy is going to be perfect I'm going to have a natural labor I'm going to a water birth I'm going to do all these things and it was just the furthest thing from what I ever thought my first and only pregnancy would be you know um no but I definitely felt protection like are they okay constantly like checking to make sure well what are you doing there what what is that necessary is that procedure absolutely necessary do they need to have this and just things like that but it was hard then because after a day two of the babies got sent home to, to like a home my house the hospital closest to where I live okay. and I stayed in Dublin with one of the other babies so I stayed with Max he was the first one out and Lily and Theo got sent to the other hospital and that was horrific because again, you're just taking my babies away. Like it's as if it wasn't, mm. it was so hard even going back down onto the ward, which felt like miles, miles away from the NICU after having the section, not getting time to eat because I did, I missed, you know what I mean? The food coming around because I was up in the NICU and everyone coming in trying to help me express and everyone else had their babies beside them. Like, and I'm just there on my own already after being here already for, what was it, four or five? This was nearly my sixth week. Of being in the hospital at this stage I just wanted to go home but then I knew 
I can't leave and leave Max here. I can't leave and leave one of my babies here and me go home. So I'm like ringing the hosp- other hospital, making sure, are they okay? Did they get there safe? Ringing my husband, make sure you go visit them. Then I'm trying to go up and see Max on his own and express. And I remember poor my, my husband, it was, it was actually horrible. But now again, in hindsight, I understand more about what happened. But there was a, a critical baby that got brought in the same day as my two got brought to the other hospital. So my husband didn't get to see them for hours and hours because they were working on this other baby and obviously privacy you couldn't have other family members come in and you know while this issue was going on with their baby and but again it was just I didn't understand what was going on why can't what do you mean you can't see him like why can't why can't he go in why can't he see the babies it was just really really hard and then eventually again because my consultant was so good I think they kind of pushed to make sure that I got discharged on the same day that Max got sent to the hospital where the other two were. Okay. So again, I was very lucky in that sense then that all three were in hospital together in the town where I live. Whereas again, from chatting with the other girls with triplets, they could have been sent anywhere. They literally could have been sent anywhere in the Northeast, say where there was available um, special care beds. So I was very lucky in that sense that we all finally <laughs> got back together. But then again, I'm just going home now. I'm finally going home. But again, I'm going home with no babies, you know, and it just felt wrong. It just felt weird. It just felt unnatural. Like I was going home empty and waking up every three, four hours expressing for babies that weren't there. And how do I, how does my brain process this feeling of emptiness and do you know it's just it was really really strange really sad like I remember bawling my eyes out in the morning getting ready to go to the hospital again on my own um getting people to drive because I couldn't drive and it was just bringing my milk and <laughs> this little sad milk bag for the babies and it just it was do you want to chat about your postpartum we'll just talk about how the babies were and then we'll dive into those weeks and months yeah following their birth so how how were the babies then for the so there were only four weeks in NICU. The boys got okay. home oh, maybe four or five days before Lily. Um, five. Like, I mean, Theo was the smallest. So he was £3.5. Max was £3.7. And Lily was £4.1. So considering that was nine weeks early, they were fairly decent weights, yeah, you know? Yeah. Like, so it just took them a while getting used to feeding, all that kind of stuff. Four weeks, but no, no problems. Like, it was really, really lucky. Their eyesight, their lungs, everything was was perfect. Um, Lily, while she was still in NICU, did develop kind of like a, is it apnea, like where she just randomly would stop kind of breathing and the monitor would beep. It's like they'd forget to breathe and then it'd just come back. But that was fine. And then she had, she was on medication for reflux, but the boys weren't. And it was only kind of when they came home then and over the coming weeks that we realised like the feeding was bad. They were constantly spitting and vomiting and really bad wind and things like that. So they did develop reflux fairly quickly after coming home. And that was kind of when the the trauma, the, tr- the drama and the trauma really started. Like it just felt like I spent so long just trying to get these babies here. And now all of a sudden they're here and I wasn't really prepared for the next part of actually having them home and being here. I just was so focused on, okay, let's get them here. Let's get them here safely. And now they're here. And I'm like, I went to try and adopt a cat and I nearly had to do like a guard of vet and check, but they let me walk out of the hospital with three babies, <laughs> like as if it's off you go. I didn't do an antenatal course. Now, to be fair, we had to do the first aid, the, the CPR and stuff. But like, 
are you okay? No, I'm not okay. Like I have to bring these babies home. <laughs> um, it was a shock to the system. I think it's just blur really of being really, really exhausted. Now we are very, very lucky in that both our families and parents are like amazing and we're here around the clock. Like I don't think I was left alone with those babies for at least <laughs> a month or two because of the three and four hour feeds. Sure, it was taking us nearly two hours to feed all three of them and then sure it was only be, be nearly time to start the whole process again so it was just a blur of feeding and spitting and puking and like I can't say it was an enjoyable time and I definitely feel somewhat guilty and bad that I didn't enjoy it, but I didn't I didn't and I don't and even my husband used to say like Nicola like I feel really bad and saying that I'm going to look completely ratchet now for saying this like but I suppose women probably talk to each other and say it and admit it but maybe men don't but he was like I love them but I don't particularly like this like I don't really like mm-hmm. I'm not enjoying this I'm not happy at the minute and that was definitely the first two three months but even god I would say up as far as six months was a significant difference then of getting easier like it was a big step of life getting much much easier say when they started sitting up and started eating solids Mm. the reflux got much better but when we had six months of having to give them all well Lily wasn't as bad Lily got better but the two boys were shocking for for not drinking for not you know for for vomiting and for not sleeping they were sure when I think about it now god love them they were they were in pain with the reflux like imagine being starving and mad to eat something and then someone giving you a bottle and being killed with the heartburn and then they were vomiting and it was just like having to give them the medicine 20 minutes before each feed then win them every like two or three ounces and then they'd have to be kept upright for like half an hour after their feed <laughs> this went on for like months but you no know, when they started yeah about six months when they started sitting up and eating solids it was significantly better but still horrifically hard and did you feel like there was a a shift like when did you start to feel um not back to yourselves but that okay this is starting to get a little bit more enjoyable or was were you still it sounds like that it started from when you saw the scan the twins yeah. that's when the shock really kicked in and it kind of didn't sounds like it didn't subside I don't know because it, it everything there was just you know, then you went for the next scan. That was another really Yeah. Things, I can honestly say, I can nearly pinpoint, say, when they got to about 18 months, it's just like mm. a fog lifted. Okay, yeah. It's like the pandemic for us, in some ways, was a huge blessing in disguise. Like, I was only back to work, say, very end of December 2019. And then everything shut for the pandemic, with the with COVID restrictions then in what March so not it wasn't even back to work two three months and Mm. I was off again and to me it was like I kept thinking okay things will get better when they start walking things will get better if my husband was home more things will get better if they're in a good crash things will get better when I'm back at work when I'm going to the gym and like all these things kept happening and I still wasn't feeling any better I was still stressed out I was still like no matter what would happen I was still kind of irrational and stressed and worried and guilty about everything but definitely I can nearly pinpoint about 18 months it just I got them into a really good crash when things started opening 
I was back at work then again when things started picking up. So that was like, what, maybe June, July 2020. Um, like that, my husband got to be off for a couple of months. It was brilliant. They were home. We were happy. We were going for walks. I started to probably put on about four stones. So it probably wasn't good in that sense. But mentally, it made me kind of realize, oh, they don't need the perfect mom. They just need us. And we had mm. such a good time during that them few months of being home and not feeling pressure. And like, I have to kind of have this perfect. I, I just always had this feeling of because there's three of them, they don't get the normal life, say, that other singleton kids might have. I couldn't bring them to things by them myself. I can't. We've never been able. The, the poor things have never been swimming because the ordeal like I probably have to bring about six people with me if we have to bring them swimming like but even like I can only really now bring them to the playground by myself so I just always feel this guilt if they don't get the normal life experience that other kids get but then kind of during the pandemic and that I kind of realized yeah they do they get so much love like my mom and dad Shane's mom and dad their aunties and their uncles like these kids are just adored like they are ruined for love spoiled attention everything um and that kind of realization started to to come to me that like actually do you know what I am doing a good job like they got they got that bit older where their development was on par of what it should be whereas in the early days I was constantly worrying oh, yeah. oh, are they behind because they were early is it my fault because I can't like do things like how you would do if you had a singleton I can't give each of them the time that you might be able to do if you only had one baby at a time and again that was another constant guilt and worry like am I doing enough for them is am I enough and feeling so bad and guilty and like genuinely there was dark 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 days and they kind of get to the got to the stage where it wasn't every day then it was only maybe once a week that'd be a bad day or a bad hour every few days or something and it kind of gradually just keeps getting better and better <laughs> as the days and the months go on but definitely 18 months I feel like it was more than just like I always loved them but then I fell in love with them you know I, I genuinely can't I, I and it sounds horrible and it's one of those things that I don't want to be negative about but I don't know if I really was like I'm so in love with you up until mm. that point Whereas from then onwards, it's like every day is that little bit more like in love as opposed to just loving and protecting them and looking after them. But I suppose it's just the monotony of feeding, wiping, cleaning. Who am I? I'm no, I'm just this empty shell of like starvation and like, and like the refectors for not sleeping. And I had to either go for a walk or a drive to get them to nap. So like literally twice a day, I'd have an hour with a triple buggy weighing a ton three big heavy babies walking in circles just to get them to sleep and as soon as I'd stop they'd wake and like of course you'd meet everyone in Tesco like that and they'd be stopping you to chat and be like I can't stop I have to keep going and like I was skin and bone so then as soon as the pandemic came, it was like I'm into like survival mode of oh I can eat now and <laughs> it just was like eating myself into oblivion but it just it was a real kind of eye-opener to what life really should be and like the, the the values and the beautifulness of having three beautiful kids that absolutely like adore each other like and part of me now okay part of me still kind of would prefer if they came separately <laughs> as opposed to all in one go <laughs> even if the twins you know if, if Lily came first and then the twins came I could have handled that but no, no like I mean they're a they're a group they're a team they're a unit so there's a lot of love to be found in having them 
in that group of three now like like I don't know part of me feels like god how do people what do people do when they've only got one and you have to like put on dinner and you're out in the kitchen for 10 minutes like who do they play with did they just you know what I mean that kind of stuff and they really do have each other's backs even at three years of age like I can hear them saying to each other you okay and I love oh. you and you know helping each other out and going getting things for each other and like they're really kind to each other and it makes me realize well actually I am doing a good job you know I should be proud of myself I am proud of them I didn't fail by, by bringing three of them into this world at the same time I didn't let them down like I didn't but for, for, for a long time there was definitely a lot of guilt of feeling they deserve better they don't deserve this life they didn't ask for this they didn't ask to be born early they didn't ask for like no attention like these like when they were really really small and the boys were really struggling with the reflux oh I used to cry cry myself to sleep thinking I can't do this again not another day like not another day of this am I allowed to say shit (laughs) but like another day of this shit like I literally and like Shane my husband worked so hard to make sure that we didn't have anything to worry about and of all the things that I've had to worry about in the last three and a half years He's never been one of them and money has never been one of them. So I'm very, very lucky in that sense, you know. And I used to just be like, please don't go to work. Like I would literally, there were days when I was on my hands and knees saying, please don't leave me. Please don't leave me here with these babies all day on my own. And like it very would be, very rarely would be all day on my own because his mom is brilliant. It would be here in the mornings before she goes to work. And like my mom purposely changed her shifts and so much of their lives to help and to accommodate us like you know they all sacrifice so much to be here to help us but, but when you're like, in that space like a couple of hours feels like a day feels like a yeah. lifetime and that's the thing mm-hmm. the days feel long but the years go by so quick mm-hmm. and and that was another source of guilt and god I feel so guilty being like that I'm afraid not afraid but like I'm anxious about being here all day with my own children because like they're going to stress me out and I'm going to panic and everyone's going to be screaming for a bottle at the same time and I'm going to panic or do you know I used to load them out in the car to go for a drive just so that I could go to the drive through and get a coffee just so I could drive up to my husband or my mom and at home and they'd bring me out food or like and the kids would sleep but just the knock-on effect was that we were seriously seriously sleep deprived and it used to cause a lot of like accidents say like I remember my husband fell off a ladder in work I killed myself one day on the stairs because I was just so bloody tired. You know, like things in the car. I didn't like it. Luckily not with the kids. But I remember like I literally just drove into the back of someone one day. Mm. And I'm fairly sure I nodded off. I was just exhausted. And it's that irrational feeling and thinking of just madness that comes from being so bloody sleep deprived. And I definitely feel like while we had so much support from friends and family I feel like I was let down by the likes of say our public health nurse coming to me with leaflets on contraception (laughs) when I had four week old triplets is not what I needed I needed help and I had no problem with asking for help I asked anyone that would listen to me and I think we had a really good social worker in one of the hospitals that got us medical cards for the babies for the first, say, six months because they had to have these injections because they were born during flu season and it would have cost thousands. I don't think anyone does have to pay for it with the drugs payment scheme. You know, they only can have to spend so much. But I mean, the formula that they were on 
wasn't prescribed, but it was for you know the premature formula. So you're talking about 20, 25 euro a tin. I think we were spending about 100 quid a week on formula in those early days. Like it was a joke. I had that conversation with someone before and I didn't realise that you're not giving it. No. And it's not prescribed. At least if it was prescribed, you could do the drugs, you know, the payment scheme where you only have to spend so much a month. So the only thing we got was um, the medical cards for so many months, but nothing else. And like, I didn't, I think at one stage I lost the plot and they referred me to like one of these family, you know, support groups where if I wanted to go to a course about healthy eating options for babies and weaning. And I was like, are you for real? <laughs> That's the last thing I need. I bring the babies. Being made feel, <laughs> yeah, being made feel guilty that I'm not giving them like avocados yeah. and like eggs and whatever. Like I'm trying to survive here. Like mm. I need someone to come in. Like my parents and Shane's parents were literally probably taking a different baby, say between them. One would take one on a Monday night, another would take another one on a Wednesday night. So, so there would be at least two or three nights a week where we would only have one or two babies each night so we wouldn't have all three every single night just to give us a break like but I mean if it wasn't for my mom and Shane's mom I really don't know I honestly God do not know how we would have survived and it's, it's really sad and really disappointing to think that there's people out there that have no support mm. and weren't financially as lucky as we kind of were or even have a partner as supportive as I did how do those people manage? I don't know. And every every so many months, I would I would kind of lose the plot and I'd ring the public health nurse and be like, I'm really struggling here. I'm telling you I'm struggling. I'm telling you that I'm so sleep deprived that I've had a car accident, that I've fallen down the stairs, that my poor husband put her two-month-old baby into the carrier chair where it's strapping her in in the middle of the hospital and the poor child fell out in front of everyone just out of sheer Mm. exhaustion I don't know how many times we had to throw out the bottles because it was like losing count of the scoops halfway through and I was mm. oh god would, would they both look the same which one did I feed which one did I not feed like it just was mental and like rather than preempt be preemptive and help us before an accident happened do you know we just had to keep on asking for help with our friends and our family and thank god we had our family and that we still do because nobody else was going to help us and to this day we would have had to have paid privately. And while we have the money, you're talking about 30 to 50 euro an hour yeah. to get a nurse in. And again, it goes by the county. So given, I mean, Meath and Meath and apparently are notorious for being badly funded for home care. So obviously, obviously, but I suppose it's a priority. There's priorities. And unfortunately, <laughs> mammies of multiples are not on that priority. No, it's deep deprivation, as you said. Like it was only a few weeks ago. We went through a really bad um, stage with Eva where she was waking hourly and you'd nearly be awake at three or four and think, I'm not even going to try going back to sleep because it just won't be worth it because. And I reversed my car straight into the back of a neighbor's car that was parked behind me. And that was purely down to sleep deprivation. It's exhaustion. Yeah. It's a form of torture, like yeah, it is. But it yeah. was really. It's um, a friend of Shane's that had twins said that him and his wife made this rule that between, say, like eleven o'clock and five o'clock in the morning, whatever gets said between each other, yeah. the next day you forget about it. <laughs> oh and thank God, God yeah. because I would have been divorced just as quick as I was married. I know. Because I remember waking up one day thinking, "That's it. He's not talking to me. There's no way he's going to speak to me after what I said to him last night." And he let me have a lie on it. I was like, oh, he's letting me stew. He's Nicola, letting me the, the things that come out of your mouth. 
it's like you'd be ashamed of yourself, but it just doesn't matter in the middle of the night. It's you just, just, it's great. to forget and get over yeah. and accept, okay, this person's just as tired as I am. Exactly, so yeah. That's where it's coming from. Move on and get over it and just know that you're both in a place of exhaustion mm. and you're sorry and just be a team. And I think still, thank God, we still feel that kind of, we're a team. Yeah. Just do what you got to do. Just survive. Survive. Yeah, that's Survive. It. Do what you got to do to survive. You've pretty much said what the majority of women are thinking throughout your story and throughout your those postpartum months. So, yeah, thank you so much for being so honest. I know. I, I think you think you need to be honest because I'm yeah. always afraid of, um, you don't want to be too negative and scare people off or you know your kids grow up thinking that you don't love them because it was so hard and that's not the case like yes it was hard but there must be something in your body or in mother nature that just makes you love them or else the population wouldn't continue to grow i hope you enjoyed this week's episode i know plenty of parents with multiples will just be nodding their head as they listen to our conversation just from my experience with friends with multiples I know what they experience too so thank you once again Nicola if you would like to share your story you're more than welcome to just visit the website irelandsbirthstories.ie which I will link this time in the show notes I keep forgetting just get in touch there rather than Instagram because Instagram DMs go AWOL I have another amazing episode lined up for you next Monday so I will chat to you then have a good week Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.